Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit is rampant. Bullshit. And we don't have time for that. Hey, welcome no, no. back to the Bullshit Filter, episode 3.9. How are you, Ray? Doing great. How are you? I'm good. I wish I was high, but that's a personal thing. I don't have to show. We don't have to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, I wish you were high too. Um, <laughs> now, <laughs> Harry Anslinger. We've mentioned him on and off. Now right. we're going to get full into the Harry Anslinger story. It's taken us eight hours to get ready yeah. for Harry. As we mentioned in an earlier episode, oh, well, before we get on, let me let me do the Hunter Claws. So, as we saw in episode three point eight, mm-hmm. gradually the news stories about cannabis started just becoming increasingly ridiculous. <laughs> um, they went from it's pretty good, uh, makes you makes you happy, gives you a good night's sleep, through to oh, if you smoke too much of it, you'll go insane. Through to <laughs> You become insane instantly and become super violent with right. superpowers. Right. And Run you'll, backwards. Yeah. yeah, you become a super villain, and no. the, the Mexicans die. are cu- the Mexicans Mexicans are coming, and we need to stop the Mexicans because they're going to take our jobs and rape our women. Right. Even though there were major scientific reports done, the biggest one by the uh, Indians and the British in 1894 that said it's fine. <laughs> Trust it. 3,281 page long report that said it's fine. Everyone said, well, fuck that. Let's just throw that in the bin. We're not going to, you know, don't let your evidence based thinking get in the no. way of our scaring the shit out of the white people. Um, and then in the 20s, basically, it got banned uh, throughout most of the world uh, as a result of the Opium uh, Commission and the Geneva Convention, which just lumped it in with cocaine and opium and heroin and these sorts of things. Now, Harry Anslinger, as we mentioned mm-hmm. in an earlier episode, um, after World War One, Harry ended up working for the Prohibition Bureau. He's in the Bahamas. He's trying to stop... Uh, uh, alcohol being funneled in the US. He sees these guys, they're smoking weed, they're taking drugs. He's like, they're filthy, filthy, darkies, druggies. Yeah, yeah. Um, He eventually goes back to the US, becomes the assistant commissioner of the Prohibition Unit. And then early in 1930, and Prohibition's still going on at this stage, although it's sort of winding up. People realised it's a fucking disaster. Right. Um, in 1930, the guy in charge of the narcotics division of the Prohibition Bureau, LG Nut, um, I think LG stands for Left Gonad Nut. <laughs> I think that was his name. Uh, my name is Left Gonad, but you can call me Nut. <laughs> That's how he used to introduce himself. Dr. Nut to you, yeah. yeah. Left Nut, yeah. Um, his brother was RG Nut. Which is his twin brother. Twin brothers. <laughs> <laughs> He got fired <laughs> for padding his arrest record. Oh, God. Uh, apparently, he was claiming all these arrests that he didn't actually make, and so he got the ass. He got nutted. Uh, <laughs> and Harry took over his job. So Harry gets right. promoted to the head of the narcotics division. He's 38 uh, and, years old. And then, on June 14th, 1930, he's made the <laughs> head of the brand-new Federal Bureau of Narcotics. Ooh. The FBN. It's an agency of the Department of the Treasury. And as I think we mentioned last time, his wife's uncle (laughs) 
was the Secretary of the Treasury at the time. Right. So it was a little bit of uh, nepotism going on. Yeah, there. just enough. But he's got now the job. A, yeah, yeah. Now here's a question for you, Ray. Why yeah. would the drugs are be under the Treasury and not the Department of Justice like the FBI was? Mm. Well, I don't know. I do know that... Um, when he was given a budget of $100,000 and told to go get them, it wasn't because they were thinking of the drugs as social evil, but it was a loss of revenue. So that was his angle, but that's the best answer I can give you as far as why it's under the treasury. Well, no, but that's it. You're right. So remember the Harrison Narcotics Act in 1914 was the Harrison Narcotics Tax Act. Mm-hmm. And the Jones Miller Act, aka the Narcotic Drugs Import and Export Act, nineteen twenty-two, was also a tax act. So it's about taxation, right? The reason they're cracking down on drugs at this stage—it's still—they're not banning them outright. They're saying, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! You're selling this shit." And you know, initially they wanted—they had this stuff where well, we need to correct labeling. People need to know yeah. what they're taking because people fair. are getting addicted to this shit and they don't even know it's in their cough syrup. But it was also about taxation. Taxation falls under the remit of the Treasury. So that's why the Federal Bureau of Narcotics is under the Treasury, because it's about taxation initially. Mm. Drugs, narcotics, it's all about let's get the money, because we're in the middle of the Great Depression, and we need the money. we got to get our cut. Now, here's here's the problem. He's got this great job. Everything's looking good, but it really doesn't have much of a future because he's going to go after narcotics like cocaine and heroin. However, as we all know, there's only a fraction of the country that actually uses this stuff. It's not exactly a justification for an entirely new department with a $100,000 budget. Something has got to change or or change or this could not, this might not last very long. Yeah. So he's got to look for something that's more popular than cocaine and heroin if he's going to build an empire out of this. By the way, though, before we get into yeah. that, uh, in, on July 1st, 1930, just after uh, he sets up the FBN, the Prohibition Bureau is transferred out of the Treasury Department to the Department of Justice. Mm. Um, it's obviously not making money, it, so it becomes a thing about cracking heads at this stage right? because they, they're not able to get the mob to pay tax, so they're really? just cracking heads. Yeah. It later gets moved to the FBI for a short period mm. before Prohibition is repealed, and then it gets moved back to the Treasury. Now, do you remember why Prohibition was repealed? Um, I just thought that enough of the people were against it. I, was, was it a financial reason? Yeah. I mean, it was very unpopular, that's true, but it was mostly because FDR gets elected in 1933 and he goes, we need that fucking tax money. So, <laughs> Guts to have it. Yeah, so it was about, like, okay, let's legalise again, then we can tax that son of a bitch and we make the green, <laughs> win, make win. the bank, man. Win, make the, win. Make, make the Benjamins. Make it, um, make it rain. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, do you know who created the FBI? No. The man who set up the Bureau of Investigation, as it was originally known, Uh was the Attorney General of the United States, Charles Bonaparte, grandson of Jerome Bonaparte, the youngest brother Uh of Napoleon Bonaparte. Get out of here. So Napoleon Bonaparte's 
grandnephew set up the cool. FBI. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Now, Harry was a smart guy. As you said, he realised prohibition's on its way out. This whole narcotics thing isn't really a big deal. Not many people. I think we said in the last, some of the earlier shows, it was like, like less than 0.1% of the American <laughs> population were using yeah. cocaine and heroin. You're yeah. not, you're not going to, you know, you don't have any job stability if that's what you're working with. Right. Um, but he starts to read stories in the papers about marijuana. Um, yeah. Actually, here's the one you mentioned before. The New York Times kills six in a hospital. The butcher knife guy. Oh, okay. There was the Mexican family go insane story, um, which I've got here, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, again, I've posted these to our Bullshit Filter Facebook page. Or no, maybe just to my Facebook page. Follow me on Facebook if you want to see these stories. Um, this is from the New York Times. Uh, don't have a date, but it's around about, I guess, late 20s, 1920s. Yeah, 1927. As far as the Mexican family goes insane. Mexican family go insane. Five <laughs> said to have been stricken by eating marijuana. Mexico City, July 5. A widow and her four children have been driven insane by eating the marijuana plant, according to doctors who say that there is no hope of saving the children's lives and the mother will be insane for the rest of her life. The tragedy occurred while the body of the father who had been killed was still in hospital. The mother was without money to buy other food for the children, whose ages range from 2 to 15, so they gathered some herbs and vegetables growing in the yard for their dinner. Two hours after the mother and children had eaten the plants, they were stricken. Neighbours, hearing outbursts of crazed laughter, rushed to the house to find the entire family insane. Examination revealed that the narcotic marijuana plant was growing among the garden vegetables. I, Sorry, my hand's up. Shouldn't that story be about a destitute family that clearly needed help? As... It, it almost makes it sound like they knew what they were doing. You the, know what I'm the saying? Family or, or yeah. the newspaper? <laughs> no, the, the, clearly the family was destitute. The, the the father was probably the breadwinner. He's in the hospital. They have no money. They have no food. I mean, it would seem like the story would have been that these people were really down on their luck, and this really horrible thing happened as opposed to the way they put it. I don't know. Just the whole slant of it just bothers me. Well, for a start... The family's not named. There's no names. Secondly, there's no names of anyone reporting it. It's just true. doctors. Thirdly, um, it you know when it's in the New York Times and it says Mexico City, so it's always these stories are like you know special report from Mexico. Marijuana drives people insane and they're killing and eating each other. <laughs> it's just this is zombies bullshit, bullshit. Right. And as we'll see, the New York Times. Uh, spent a century vilifying marijuana um, before but they, they finally to, changed their mind. Uh, but they have to compete with uh, Randolph Hearst and his, which we'll get into later. We'll get into that later. Yeah, yeah. So Harry starts to see these stories and realizes this could be his ticket to the big time. <laughs> now, it doesn't unfortunately, matter that it's not true. Go ahead. Unfortunately, Harry, for a long time, had been dismissing cannabis as just a nuisance and a distraction, that it wasn't really a serious drug. Um, He insisted previously that it wasn't addictive. He said there is probably no more absurd fallacy than the claim that marijuana caused violent crime. 
Um, but now he starts. Well, <laughs> maybe you that know, was the one. He has a he has a spiritual awakening regarding yeah, yeah, the dangers yeah. of marijuana. Now that he's actually got a job that requires him to go after narcotics, and despite the fact that marijuana is most definitely not a narcotic, um, he decides that he's gonna he's gonna build a case against right. marijuana. Now, just for the rest of the show, I, I think it's worth pointing out that. By the time we're done with this episode, it's going to get very dark. It's going to get very sad for some particular people. But there is, and obviously this is a very complex person, this this is a very complex issue. But when you have someone like this, who has several different reasons to be motivated, and he's in a very powerful position, I mean, you'll soon see that there's very few checks on him, and it doesn't matter what he does. But, But obviously he's worried about job security, but then his own personal feelings about other groups of human beings comes into it and he's able to bring it all together and it's all negative it's all hate it's all whatever you want to call it but he has a very powerful position he's got the backing of the u.s government and he's going to go on and change history as we all know it he's going to destroy a lot of lives just because of the type of person that he was and the views that he had about various other human beings well we don't want it to get it too serious so of the sea, back to the black Snoop Doggy Dog, monkey at the the, the dock, went solo on that ass, but it's still the same, Long Beach is the spot where I serve my cane, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, but don't lose your grip, nine trips ain't the years in for me to fuck up shit, so I ain't holding nuts back, and motherfucker, I got five on the 20 sack, it's like that, and as a matter of fact, cause I never hesitate to put a nigga on his back, yeah, so keep out the manuscript, you see that it's a must we drop gangsta what's the motherfucking name? You should have your own song like that. That would be totally badass. I know, right? I'm fucking so, waiting on Jason Palmer to write a song for me. I keep telling him he's... Get yeah, move on. Get, get off his ass. So, so I want to retract everything I just said. Even though we're going to be talking about some horrific things, we're going to make it light and as fun as possible. So Harry wrote to 30 scientific experts asking them for their opinion on marijuana. Should we ban it? Is it a dangerous drug? 29 mm-hmm. of them wrote back saying, are you fucking high right now? Marijuana is fine. It's been widely misrepresented in the press. Don't do anything. But one wrote back and said it was a great evil that had to be eradicated. Now, when you have 29 scientific experts say, Global warming. No, it's fine. And one, that's it. Harry was the Fox News of his day. He picked the one. Shredded the 29, (laughs) along with the report from India. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, yeah, he smoked it and went with the one and said, but, I have a scientific yeah. expert who says it's fucking, 
If, if you smoke it, you will fall into, this is a quote, a delirious rage. Then what is you a will del- be gripped. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, man. I mean. Delirious. But, but I, I'm, I'm yeah. raging, but I'm really happy about it. I hope to uh, do a delirious <laughs> rage at some Later point on to- in my life. <laughs> this is it. Delirious rage. This would sound like just right. Prince funk in the background. I'm, I'm looking at. I'm looking forward to stage two of this. Stage two is you'll be gripped by dreams of an erotic character. Yeah, yeah. Except yeah. for you, it's just D'Angelo is your dreams, <laughs> banging your wife. Finally, you will lose the power of connected thought, and then you will reach insanity. This is what Harry's one scientific expert who told him <laughs> what he wanted to hear said. Right, yeah. Delirious rage, exotic dreams, insanity. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it, done. And then you're, then you're done. See, and, that, and that's the other thing. He says uh, you could easily get stoned and go out and kill a person and you wouldn't even realize it that you had left the room. So again, see, this is what's making it so scary. You can be the most noble hearted person out there, but you smoke a little bit of this Mexican weed and suddenly you're hacking people to pieces and you don't even know what you're doing. He said, if the hideous monster Frankenstein came face to face with the monster (laughs) marijuana, he (laughs) would drop dead of fright. Could you, could you act that? uh, 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 (laughs) I mean, what the fuck? A monster. Tr- anyway, oh my fucking god! But there's hope. There's hope. Doctor Michael V. Ball wrote to Harry, and he said that he used hemp e- extract when he was a medical student, and the only thing that ever happened to him was he would fall asleep and and have a raging erection. No, he he would get sleepy, and he said that if people do go crazy under the influence, there's probably underlying medical uh, mental health reasons that are already there. And he says, look, you, you're, you're the, with the government. You've got this big budget. You can do a proper research on this and finally get to the truth like the Indians did 150 or 100 whatever years ago. Um, you can get to the truth. You've got the funds. You need to do this for our society. And Harry said, you must be fucking high right now if you think I'm going to fund any independent science on this shit. He said the marijuana evil can no longer be temporized with and said he would never, ever, ever, ever fund any independent science on uh, the effects of weed. I never want to know in any great detail what I'm talking about. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um, he starts building this massive case against marijuana. Um, Now... It's obviously because he's trying to build an empire around this. He's trying to figure out how do I get a shit ton of funding yeah. uh, for my for my department. And he plays on the two most 
feared groups in the United States. Uh, Mexicans and African Americans. Um, because, again, as we've talked about in earlier episodes, this is the 30s. Uh, white people are terrified that the Mexicans and the darkies uh, want to have an opinion. They, right. uh, they're working, they're taking jobs, they're working hard their for station. their money. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, yeah. They're, they're having sex with white women. Um, society is falling apart. Right. Yeah. So you can't make being in a Mexican or a Negro illegal anymore, <laughs> unfortunately, although they're, they're, they're doing it in certain states. They're trying hard. You, you can't make it being illegal to be non-white. What you can do is figure out what the non-whites do and then make that illegal and then ah. try and catch them doing it so you can prosecute them. Did you want to talk about the Gore Files, or is this something before uh, that? I don't know. What's the Gore Files, man? When, when, when um, the X so, Files? It's, it's, it's kind of like when when um, Harry was trying to build his case, he wrote to police officers all over the country, and he said, "I want you to send me stories about where marijuana has caused people to kill." And because he's asking a whole bunch of white white cops, he does get stories, and he's going to he's going to share these with uh, William Randolph Hearst. And when you have this powerful press, and then you have this official government giving you all these very detailed, written out like police reports, very concise concise language, um, it it does work, and he he gets a lot more people on the side, and it scares the bejesus out of white America. X-Files fan? Um, I have watched it. I don't think I finished the original series. So that would be a no. Um, the, the, the current season, I think it's season yeah. 11 of the reboot, um, fucking great. Just brilliant. I mean, the first episode yeah. was shitty, but the rest of them have been really, really good. The, 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 the reboot season last year, season 10, I think, was shit. Just really, it was one good episode. The rest of them were just really, really bad and embarrassing. But the new mm. one, they've really fucking, it's really good. It's funny. They've knocked it out the park. It's really, really good. A lot of, a lot of kind of in-jokes. Uh, yeah, right. it's, it's, really, it's really good. Um, yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the Gore Files, I do remember that now. Yeah, so he's collecting stories to feed to the yellow media to get them, to, to make it easy for them. Basically, he's, he's doing his own PR. This is what the <laughs> PR industry, which was new at the time. This is what propaganda right. is all about, is you create stories and give them to the media to make it easy for them to support what it is you're trying to do. Um, so... He's he's um, going after, you know, the weed because he's tying it to the Negroes and the Mexicans. He said he'd been told that coloured students at the University of Minnesota were partying with white female students right. and getting their sympathy with stories of racial persecution. Result? Pregnancy. <laughs> but... If we didn't persecute them, then they wouldn't have any stories to get sympathy. 
Has that gone so too far? So the darkies are having yeah. sex with white girls and getting them pregnant, you know, and that's because, I don't know, weed? I don't know. Have to stop that. <laughs> he right. said, um, cannabis makes black men forget the appropriate racial barriers and unleashes Ooh. their lust for white women, as you Ooh. know all too well, Ray. <laughs> Ouch. Right, yeah, yeah. Harry wrote... There are 100,000 total marijuana smokers in the U.S., and most are Negroes, Hispanics, Filipinos, and entertainers. Their satanic music, jazz, and swing result from marijuana use. This marijuana causes white women to seek sexual relations with Negroes, entertainers, and many others. The primary reason to outlaw marijuana is its effect on the degenerate races. Marijuana is an addictive drug which produces in its users insanity, criminality, and death. Reefer makes darkies think they're as good as white men. Marijuana leads to pacifism and communist brainwashing. You smoke a joint and you're likely to kill your brother. Marijuana is the most most violent. (laughs) You're going to become a pacifist and then kill your brother. With an axe. <laughs> Marijuana is the most violent cause, violence-causing drug in the history of mankind, according to Harry. God. I, I think he got his statistics wrong about mostly blacks, Latinos, and, and entertainers. But hey, what do I know? I'm sure whites don't do that kind of stuff. So this is the head. This is America's first drug czar. This is the story that he's peddling. Um. Basically, it makes the darkies forget their place, want to have sex with white women, makes the white women want to have sex with the darkies, and it it leads to pacifism. We need to stomp that out. We can't have Americans not wanting to go to war because, fuck, what will we do then? Yeah. Now, the problem he has, though, is that marijuana at this stage is still legal in most states. Uh, California Mm. had banned non-prescription cannabis in 1913 as part of a campaign that was largely anti-Chinese, banning opium, and and they lumped marijuana in with it. New York City in 1914, Texas in 1915, uh, Utah, El Paso in 1915, Utah in 1915, but it was mostly still uh, legal in the most. There was no federal law. Most of the states hadn't got around to it yet. So right. Harry is trying to get it totally banned, not just regulated like the Harrison Tax Act, but outright banned. And this is where he turns to William Randolph Hearst and Joseph Pulitzer for help. Now, we've talked about these guys before. I think it was on the Cold War show. These were the media barons of New York City in the in the late 19th century. Pulitzer was dead, actually, at this stage, but these guys had built this whole tabloid media empire. From about 1895 to 1898 was the the key years of their circulation war. This is where the term yellow journalism came about. Yellow Mm -hmm. because they were using cheap paper that had a yellowy tinge to it. It's known as tabloid journalism in Britain and Australia and Commonwealth countries. As I mentioned, I think, in an earlier episode, Joseph Pulitzer had purchased the New York World in 1883 after previously running the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, a big newspaper. Uh, He was trying to build the New York World into an entertaining read, filling it with pictures and games and contests 
and, you know, ludicrous wild stories, Um, multi-column front page headlines, usually involving some sort of scandal or or, or sport, a lot of really Mm -hmm. bold layouts with large illustrations and and maybe even some colour, relying on unnamed sources, really unabashed uh, self-promotion, because newspapers before that had been fairly staid, nice little print, nice, you know, conservative, yeah. uh, sometimes relying on, you know, uh, sources. I mean, journalism wasn't really a, a, a profession in the 19th century where, they, like we think of it today, even though it's not very well practiced today either, but this whole idea of, well, you know, reporting the facts and, 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 and being careful to get multiple sources to verify, well, they, they, mm-hmm. they, they, they were just trying to, you know, Run sell stories. Yeah, yeah. yeah there, there wasn't a... There was no science behind the profession really at that stage, although some people were starting to toy with this idea. Um, now, uh, tabloid story usually has five characteristics. Um, scary headlines, often in huge print, often of something right. that isn't really important. Um, lavish use of, of pictures or imaginary drawings. You'll see this in a lot of the marijuana coverage. They use a lot of fake interviews or misleading headlines, a lot of pseudoscience, a lot of fake experts who are pushing a particular story. They used a lot of full-colour Sunday supplements with comic strips to drag people in, and usually dramatic and fake sympathy with the underdog against the system. So pretending to take the perspective of the lower classes when they're not really. Mm. Think Fox News, but as a newspaper, basically. Right. Uh, Rupert and um, uh, Roger Ailes, uh, when they built Fox News, basically took the tabloid newspaper that, that you know people in England were very familiar with, the, the Sun and the News of the World that Rupert had built into a mammoth empire uh, in the U.S., uh, sorry, in the UK. In the US, you have the National Enquirer, the National Examiner. Right. In Australia, we, we had the Herald and, and um, the Sun and, all, and other papers here going back over the years. These things have been newspapers for a lot of the middle of the 20th century uh, in, in our countries and, and goes back, as I said, to the 19th century. So Fox basically, Fox just took it and turned it into a, 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 a televised. It was genius, really, um, right. on behalf of Rupert, just taking that format turning it into a television station. Um, so, you know, salacious and scandalous stories helped sell newspapers back then, just like Fox and Trump do today by saying outrageous and scary things. No fact-checking. They don't care if it's bullshit. <laughs> it's just about getting attention and then moving on to another bullshitty story tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Now, people of May may have heard a story, as I did. I remember reading a book about um, the war on drugs years ago, and it, it suggested that one of the reasons why Hearst got involved was because he was worried about hemp uh, becoming an alternative to wood pulp to create paper out of. Right. There's also a story that um, the DuPonts were involved in this as well. The story goes that Hearst had major investments in timber and pulp mills for making paper for his newspapers, didn't want hemp replacing them because it was becoming a cheap alternative. Um, 
and do the DuPont family had come up with nylon and didn't want hemp cloth competing with nylon. Uh, this is now that I've heard. Yeah, you hear these stories a lot, particularly in I don't know blogs and websites talking about weed and marijuana and all this kind of stuff. Um, positing that this is the real reason why it became illegal. And unfortunately, it doesn't seem to stack up. Mm. I did quite a bit of research on it. There's no real uh, evidence that Hearst had any major interest in timber. Um, and, And hemp was fairly minor crop in the early 20th century, as it is now. It's not like it was building up to become something major. And quite frankly, if Hearst or DuPont thought that Hemp, you know, didn't yeah, have a future. They would have just gone and buy it and taken it over, right? Yeah. It's just a myth. It doesn't make uh, a lot of sense. But there's no doubt that the papers did have a field day with marijuana fear stories and that Harry provided them with a lot of those and then milked those stories to build an empire. Here's mm. uh, one from the Evening Sun in Baltimore uh, from the se- uh, September 18th edition, 1931. Uh, it has a report that Harry is trying to get the growing and possession of marijuana made illegal. Uh, it also claims that something called the Wickersham Commission, which was set up by Hoover in 1929 to look into the evasion of prohibition, uh, claimed that criminal Mexican immigrants were the source of marijuana into the United States. The article says, apparently the first information about the spread of the hashish smoking habit and this country came in one of the Wickersham Commission reports issued last month. This report told of the use of the weed by Mexican immigrants in Chicago. It pointed out that the users frequently resort to it to give them courage to perform criminal acts and added added that there were indications of the adoption of the habit by American criminals in many cities. Legislation was urged in this report. Now, of course, we know that's probably all bullshit, but mm. uh, Harry is using it and probably pushing it to the media uh, to, to help build his case to get more funding and to get it made illegal. Get it made illegal and then more funding for him so he can build an army of guys that go out and chase it down and, and prosecute it. Right. Do you want to talk about Victor Lakata? Yeah, in a minute. Uh, before that, okay. like doctors kept approaching Harry, right, with evidence that he was wrong. It's not like nobody said anything here. They he kept getting letters from doctors going, uh, you, "You're completely <laughs> off base with this stuff, man. Like this is a right. good thing for people. It, it chills them out. It relaxes them. Has no negative side effects. Um, you know, it, 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 you need to you need to rethink this." And yeah. he basically told them to shut the fuck up. Um, told right. them they should... Quite literal quote is that they were treading on dangerous ground. They should watch their mouths. Damn. He started just basically bullying doctors. And uh, and then, yeah, as you said before, he started writing to police officers across the country, telling them to find stories where marijuana caused people to kill. And the biggest of those stories came out on October 16th, 1933, with a guy called Victor Lakata. I, I, before we move on, just want to ask one question. Yes, he's in charge of his department, but everybody in the U.S. government has a boss. You would think that somebody is over watching over him, maybe making sure what he's... I guess he was just 
that upstanding American guy who was trying to do the right thing. He's got a crusade, so he was pretty much left alone. He was, I, and if he's using the, the newspapers, he's got a lot of powerful friends, a lot of rich friends. I guess it, it pretty much sounds like it was power run amok, and he could do whatever he wanted. Yeah, well, you know, we've talked about this in earlier episodes. <clears throat> so mm-hmm. the majority of your politicians in the early part of the 20th century are white men, Right. Right. Women yeah. Still just are. got the vote in the 20s. Yeah. So the white mm-hmm. guys. Now, the white guys don't want the Mexicans or the African Americans to vote because so they're no not going to vote for the ass. white guys. Right. Yeah. Right. They, you know, it's about holding uh, on to power. It's exactly what's going on still today in the US. You know, the whole Trump thing. Um, is this this fear that large percentages of the population, I know it's not all Americans, but large percentage of the populations have, and it's the same in this country. I'm sure it's the same everywhere, that society is changing. Oh, the Muslims are coming. The Mexicans are coming. The boat people are coming. The, 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 the African-Americans, you know, want more say in how things are run. There's, it's always fear of the other. And humans are built to to have like this inbuilt xenophobia and and it makes yeah, sense tribe tribalism yeah tribalism exactly as we've said I know on the show many times before for the vast majority of human history when you're in a tribe you had to be worried of the tribe over the hill because they would come and take your shit take your women and yeah it was it made sense to be scared of the other tribe because right. they usually did want to come and take your stuff um quite often because you went and took their stuff uh, last month and now they want revenge. But it it made sense to be scared of every people who weren't your tribe. And people still, it's easy to manipulate people into this fear of tribalism. Um, And that's what these guys were doing. And and the politicians back then, I think, a lot of them, um, were driven by that same sort of desire uh, 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 as they are today. It, It hasn't changed in the last century. So do you want to tell the Victor Licata story or do you want me to tell Sure. It's, a, it's such a touching story. So Victor Licata, 21-year-old, supposedly known as a sane, rather quiet young man, suddenly gets hold of the demon or the demon gets hold of him. Cannabis. He smokes some cannabis and he has a marijuana dream where he's being attacked by a man who's trying to cut off his arms. So what do you do? You fight back. He grabbed an axe. I guess he's fighting this man. He's swinging all over the place. I have no idea. It wasn't in his head. He kills his mother. He kills his father. He kills his two brothers. And he kills his sister. And as you can imagine, the press runs with the story. And basically the message is, if you smoke marijuana, you might end up hacking someone to death. And the Mexican papers were also spreading similar news, saying that uh, this 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 particular drug made you loco, which is why it was called the loco weed. Yeah, I think that had come. They've been those stories about it making people loco had come out of Mexico before that. But uh, yeah, so uh, there was evidence that Victor Licata had a pre-existing history of mental illness. But yeah. they made a big deal out of claiming he was addicted to marijuana. October 17th, 1933, the day after the murder, the Tampa Bay Times wrote, W.D. Bush, city chief detective, said he had made an investigation prior to the crime and learned the Slayer had been addicted to smoking marijuana cigarettes for more than six months. And they claimed this led to the killings. 
Now, the killings were used in anti-drug campaigns against marijuana in the 30s. Harry uh, packaged it up, pushed it out to the media around the country, made sure that it had wide coverage. And as a result, people started to uh, uh, demand that the Bureau of Narcotics be given more money to save them from, you know, the marijuana killers like Victor Licata. Now, modern researchers have looked into Licata and they found that marijuana is never mentioned in any of Licata's psychiatric reports. Right. Uh, He had been identified before the murders as being mentally ill. There had even been steps to put him in jail before the murders. Um, A year before the murders, the Tampa police had filed a petition to have him institutionalised for mental illness. And there's Mm -hmm. no mention of marijuana in any of these documents. Right. Um, and but three of his... Yeah. Sorry. What? No, I was just going to say, yeah, the police wanted to uh, to try to... They were trying to get him committed, but his parents wanted him home so they can look after him. But uh, three three uh, members of his family, I think it also... Uh, had some mental health issues as well. So this is this is not a solid bunch. But the, because they're parents, they have legal custody over him, they're able to keep him at home. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the brothers that he killed was a diagnosed schizophrenic. His paternal granduncle and two paternal cousins had already been institutionalized for mental illness. So, yeah. you know, ran in the family. Uh, and, you know, we all know that everyone in Florida is batshit crazy anyway. You know, they're, they're eating people's faces and shit down there all the time. Like, you know, oh, it's, God. It's, it's, it's the crazy state, right? Right. Um, nevertheless, uh, marijuana becomes the bad guy of the story. All of the evidence about Licata and his family, all that kind of stuff gets ignored. And basically there's this prevailing, uh, narrative, I guess, that marijuana drives you insane and makes you want to murder your family. Um, Mm. By the way, Licata was declared unfit to stand trial for reasons of insanity, committed to Florida State Hospital for the insane, remained there until 1950 when he (sighs) killed himself uh, by hanging. Yeah. The marijuana is still not affecting him, but like you said, the newspapers had their angle and they had a reason. Yeah, yeah. So this is where we start to see the the the, the propaganda against marijuana just go crazy. Uh, October 20, 1933, editorial on page six of the Tampa Morning Tribune is entitled "Stop This Murderous Smoke." It may or may not be wholly true that the pernicious marijuana cigarette is responsible for the murderous mania of a Tampa young man and exterminating all the members of his family within his reach. But whether or not the poisonous mind-wrecking weed is mainly accountable for the tragedy, its sale should not be and should never have been permitted here or elsewhere. Ah, they're going after it. And, and like you said, the, 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 there's a public outcry. People, uh, Harry's given more, um, a bit larger budget. And so to go back to when he first got this job, he now has his job protection. But now he's on a crusade. There's a film made in 1936, uh, originally entitled Tell Your Children, but better known as Reefer Madness, which uh, talks about uh, how weed drives people crazy. Have you ever watched that? I don't think so. I sat down to watch it during the week, and I couldn't get more than about 10 minutes in. It was boring (laughs) as batshit. Yeah. Yeah. 
Then, you know, books are written. Uh, in 1941, a guy writes a book called Marijuana, a drug case. Fuck. Marijuana, a drug crazed killer at large. Like a dime mm. store novel, pulp fiction kind of thing. It's right. about a man who goes on a murder spree after being exposed to marijuana for the first time. Um, just all of this media starts coming out. Movies, books, uh, talking about how marijuana is driving people crazy. There was an article in 1937 that was influential that Harry wrote called Marijuana Assassin of Youth, where he talked about Licata and his crimes. And all of this is building up to the Marijuana Tax Act of mm. 1937, where Harry was one of the key witnesses in the congressional hearings that led to the Marijuana Tax Act. And, and before we jump into that, my, one of my favorite things was after all of this stuff with Licata, Harry goes on the radio and, and you, you imagine him doing an Orson Welles. He's like, parents, beware. Your children are being introduced to a new danger in the form of drugged cigarette marijuana. Young people are slaves to this narcotic, continuing addiction until they deteriorate mentally, become insane and turn to violent crime and murder. So again, you've got this very esteemed, very respected public official working for the government who seems to be a good guy who wants to save all the right people, all the white people, and he's scaring these parents to freaking death with his newspaper articles and his radio messages. Yeah, you've got to trust everyone in the government, right? <laughs> he's got a suit and tie and everything. Yeah. And, you know, they wouldn't have given him the job if he wasn't an honest guy, good bloke. Right. Anyway, um, uh, before the tax act goes into place, not only thirty-four, Harry just goes on uh, uh, sort of uh, an arrest binge. According to the Reno Gazette Journal of Nevada, December 10, 1934, Harry arrested seven hundred ninety-one people in a major drug bust. Oh God! He says marijuana will break a man down and cause insanity. Um, but then, so in 1937, he gives this testimony at Congress. He says it was an unprovoked crime some years ago, which brought the first realization that the age old drug had gained a foothold in America. An entire family was murdered by a youthful addict in Florida. When officers arrived at the home, they found the youth staggering about in a human slaughterhouse. With an axe, he had killed his father, his mother, two brothers and a sister. He seemed to be in a daze. He had no recollection of having committed the multiple crime. The officers knew him ordinarily as a sane, rather quiet young man. Now no. he was pitifully crazed. They sought the reason. The boy said he'd been in the habit of smoking something which youthful friends called muggles, a childish name for people who don't have magic. Also, <laughs> marijuana. As this was written, a bill to give the federal government control over marijuana has been introduced in Congress. It has the backing of the United States Treasury Department, including the Bureau of Narcotics, through which Uncle Sam fights the dope evil. It is a revenue bill modelled after other narcotic laws which make use of the taxing power to bring about regulation and control. So, um, yeah, so this is where Harry's actually trying to bring in the big laws. Um, right. Now, he seems to have been a pretty big racist, Harry. Even, look, like, everyone... <laughs> In America, was a little bit racist in the thirties. Yeah, we know that. A little racy. But Harry, even Harry, shocked p 
people around him. Um, he revealed to a suspect in an official memo as a nigger. Um, mm. Senator Joseph P. Guffey of Pennsylvania demanded his resignation for referring to the guy as a nigger, but uh, got away with it. Yeah, A senator. He is standing up to senators now. Yeah, and a yeah. senator with the name of Guffey. I mean... <laughs> You know. Don't give me no guff. You're fired. Yeah. And he said, no, Fam- I'm not, I'm not going to quit. Guffy famous for the Guffy Coal Act uh, to set the price of coal. Hmm. That's all I know about Guffy. Um, now, he also had a guy who worked for him, and a black agent, William B. Davis, um, who he called a nigger. When uh, Harry complained about being called a nigger, uh, Harry fired him. Yeah, straight up. Listen, he, he, he was getting above his station. I'm a straight talker. I call a I call a spade a spade, <laughs> no. uh, or a nigger a nigger in this a case. Speck, a speck. And if if you don't like it, get out of here. God, he was even shocking people who were pretty much openly racist. Even they were shocked by some of his words and some of his ideas and, and, and his statements that he was making. So this guy was out there. They're like, don't get me wrong, Harry. I'm as racist as the next man. I hate the, I, I hate the niggers. I admire a good racist, but... No one, no one hates the niggers more than me, Harry. Yeah. But you can't say it out loud, Harry. You know, come on, man. It's 1930, man. You can, 35, he, whatever it was. He said that marijuana was making blacks forget their appropriate rate, the, the appropriate racial barriers, and it unleashed their lust for white women. Where are the white women at? But the point is, you can't go around saying all this stuff. And he was, even though he's he's got this power now, he is starting to shock people. It's like he can, he's, it's like he can't hide his racism, or maybe he wasn't hiding it before, but it's becoming more aware to the to uh, more people. The American Medical Association issued a report that debunked a lot of this stuff about marijuana driving people insane. Mm-hmm. And Harry told his agents that if any of them were caught with a copy of the report, they would be immediately fired. <laughs> God. Let's not read this and learn something and maybe do our jobs better. I catch any of you sons of bitches with this book, like that India book, and you're fired. But then even a professor, Alfred Linsmith, who champions the ideas, uh, idea that addicts need to be treated with compassion, uh, he, he starts to get his name in the paper. So Harry has his agents go to the university where Linsmith works, and he tells the board that this particular professor is a part of a criminal organization. And now that he's got them on his side, he wiretaps this guy. And then Harry sends his team basically to intimidate, intimidate this guy and tells him to shut the fuck up. So Harry can't control, like you said, he can't make, make uh, Ill- illegal for people to be black or Mexicans. But he can control the flow of information. And that is exactly what he is doing. Yeah, he also told the, uh, this guy, the, the board at Indiana University, where Linsmith was a sociolo- sociology professor, also told them that Linsmith was a drug addict. Oh, God. A drug addict and a member of a criminal organization. So he's basically using the same tactic as Jay, tactics as Jay Edgar Hoover. Right. Um, threats and blackmail, wiretapping people, then using what they hear on the wiretap to threaten them and blackmail them. Um, he's uh He's a nasty piece of shit. As was yeah. for that man. Yeah. 
Now, there's something else interesting about Harry. He apparently hated jazz. Uh, I think in one of my earlier quotes, he said that jazz was the devil's music. Right. Uh, he said it sounded like the jungles in the dead of night. He said jasmine reek of filth. He had heard that jazz musicians like to smoke weed, and he decides he wants to crush jazz by having the musicians arrested. Jeez. Now, I, I, there's a lot of this stuff going on in America in this period. Hoover's the same. Um, you know, it's this whole thing about black culture that they wanted to crush. Mm-hmm. Black music, the blues and, and jazz terrifies the white establishment because it's becoming popular with the whites, not massively at this stage, but people are starting to listen to it. People yeah. are starting to appreciate the fact that there is a a black culture, an African-American culture that has massive artistic merit. And how do you put the blacks down as being inherently inferior to the white man if mm-hmm. all of a sudden they're producing this great, amazing music that people admire and love, that yeah. needs to be that needs to be stamped out and crushed. So yeah, and, and we see that 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 continues right through to rock and roll, right? Where they see right. white, rock and roll, which, evil. which was the stepchild of of, yeah. of blues and um, and gospel music and and jazz. Um, is going to corrupt the the white youth. Uh, it, it sort of follows on from Harry and Hoover wanting to crush jazz and and blues and, and these sorts of things. Uh, it also that you know they tended to associate intelligent, free thinking people that they didn't like as well. Right. Um, so anyway, so Harry goes after jazz musicians. He wrote to his agents. Please prepare all cases in your jurisdiction involving musicians in violation of the marijuana laws. We will have a great national roundup arrest of all such persons on a single day. I will let you know what day. And his advice to these men on these drug raids was to always shoot first. God damn. Now, the thing with Harry, because he is so... Um, obsessed with his ideas, he does tend to write things down. As we're going to find out, Harry is uh, someone who has a lot of ideas, so he writes a lot of things down. Um, so we're we're going to start to get glimpses into his personality. But you're absolutely right. I mean, when it comes to jazz, it's free form, it's relaxed, uh, it's music from Europe, from Europe, the Caribbean, and Africa. I mean, all all that comes together in an orgy of American jazz clubs. This guy hates all of that stuff, so this is driving him crazy. And you. You've got to think that at some point when he tells his agents, go out there, track these people down, find out what they're doing, um, get ready to get evidence on them, and I'll let you know when we're going to bust them. You've got to think that it was his people who have learned how to play the game. They're telling their boss what he wants to hear so they get to keep their job. So you, you just really get a, a sense that at some point it's make the make the the guy at the top even though he's crazy, make him happy so we can keep our jobs. There's just a lot of a uh, lot of dysfunction going on in this in this department in this bureau. <laughs> Sounds like the White House, doesn't it? Right now, <laughs> just a bit, bit. Except no one's keeping their jobs. That's right. Um, so it's okay. Revolving door. Now Harry tried to crack down on the jazz musicians, but 
they, they, they had this solidarity going on. None of mm-hmm. them would snitch on anyone else. Whenever one of them was busted, everyone else would chip in and bail him out. I love in that. In the end, the Treasury Department told Harry he was wasting his time with the jazz community because they couldn't be fractured. Yeah. So he scaled down his focus and singled out one person, probably the greatest female jazz vocalist there ever was, and possibly the greatest jazz vocalist there ever was, yeah. Eleonora Fagan. Now, if that name isn't familiar to you, it's probably because you know her by her stage name, Billie Holiday. I want you to listen to the lyrics of this very carefully. You 
familiar with that song, Strange Fruit? No, I um, I I uh, stumbled across it, and then I looked up the lyrics, and it freaked me the fuck out. Yeah, Billy. She ne- s- never quit singing it. She sang and recorded that uh, for the first time in 1939. It was written by a teacher, Abel Mirapol, as a poem and published in 1937. Damn. Uh, And um, he he went under a pseudonym, Lewis Allen. But um, he was a member of the American Communist Party, Jewish, Russian Jewish immigrant, uh, uh, well, his parents were anyway. He wrote this uh, uh, song uh, as a poem, got turned into a song. She recorded it. Here's the lyrics for people who can't listen to lyrics when they have music going on. Um, Southern trees bear strange fruit, blood on the leaves and blood at the root. Black bodies swinging in the southern breeze, strange fruit hanging from the poplar trees. Pastoral scene of the gallant South, the bulging eyes and the twisted mouth. Scent of magnolias, sweet and fresh, then the sudden smell of burning flesh. Here is a fruit for the crows to pluck, for the rain to gather, for the wind to suck, for the sun to rot, for the trees to drop. Here is a strange and bitter crop. Damn. Yeah, you can imagine the whiteies. Uh, <laughs> Crackers not, ain't too happy. <laughs> not liking this song. No. Uh, coming out by Billie Holiday, forgetting her place. Yes. Um, anyway, so, listen, we're out of time, but I think next episode we will talk more about Billie Holiday, her tragic Life, a tragic story, and how Harry basically went after her and made her life a living hell for the last 20 years of her life. Yeah. Um, let me read a review. All right. <clears throat> Before we go. Is it more than one sentence? This one is. Like somebody. Yes. <clears throat> I think after the last couple, somebody decided, okay. <laughs> Gonna gird my lawn. Do it right down here. Do this. This is from Australia. Of course, it's from Australia. So uh, this is from Magnus Optimus Maximus, (laughs) the great, great, great. The whole world is secretly BS. Uh, He writes. I came to this show after binge listening to Ray and Cam's Life of Augustus Caesar show. After listening to the Syria episodes, I'm starting to believe that I may never find a current affairs program that will explain any issue in as much detail as these guys, while still being hilarious. As seems to be typical of podcasts featuring Australians, the humour is incredibly crude, and as is typical of most seppos, Ray is useless. Could not recommend listening to them enough. They will help any listener willing to pay attention to the exhausting amount of context See the world for what it truly is, complicated. Um, That's a bit harsh, Ray. I don't think you're completely useless. Good stuff, mate. See, that's pretty good. See, you're you're learning. That's good. Yeah. (laughs) Do you know why he called you a seppo? Do you remember? I think we've explained this once before. I I don't remember. Seppo is Australian slang for Americans uh, because an American is a yank 
and we used to have before we had underground sewerage here, we had septic tanks, ah. which rhymes with so it was Yank Septic Tank, which just got abbreviated to Seppo because Australians don't like to say any more syllables than they have to. So <laughs> it's kind of a World right. War Two era uh, word, Seppo. Um, one of the things I did find in my notes for tonight when we were talking about the various states and cities uh, banning cannabis, the District of Columbia was the last area, city, whatever you want to call it, to have a sewer system in the United States. So I think it's just perfect that uh, shows like The Wire that take place roughly in there. Um, I, I just I just found that really amazing. They're the one. They were the first one to ban cannabis, but they are the last ones to get a sewer system. There's your trivia for the day. District of Columbia, did you say? Yeah. So that's where Washington is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. The, the, the big shithole where all the shit is. <laughs> they didn't, they didn't. The bullshit, if you will. All right. Well, we'll be back with uh, episode three ten. Uh, not too distant As I said, we'll we'll pick up the ho- Billy Holiday story. And it's a great story. I mean. If you've never listened to any Billie Holiday, do yourself a favor, get into Spotify, listen to some of her compilations. Just mm-hmm. an incredible voice, incredibly tragic, brutal right. life, as you'll see. Um, and Harry did his best to make it as tragic as possible. Yeah. Um, uh, so that's it. Uh, we'll be back. Thanks for the support, folks. Thanks for the yes, reviews. Send well, us an email, by the way, uh, Magnus Optimus Maximus, and we'll send you a, uh, a full half, coffee mug. I think a half you get a full. No, he gets a full, a no, full just... one. He's in Australia. I get to send it. Uh, uh, it gets two. Uh, <laughs> fuck. Uh, fuck him. <laughs> fuck you. 